praise you, we praise you, we praise you, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. Oh, we worship you, Lord, we worship you, Lord, we worship you, hallelujah, praise you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. <coughs> oh, we praise you, Lord, praise you, Lord, praise you, Lord, praise you, Lord, hallelujah. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise you. Thank you for your word, Father. Thank you for your word. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
Oh, Spirit of the living God, thank you for your word. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you for your word. Hallelujah. Thank you for your word. Hallelujah. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Teach me to hear your voice of truth.
Teach me to please the Father God. Teach me to pray like Jesus Christ. Teach me to pray, Lord. Teach me to pray like Jesus Christ. Teach me to be a sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice.
Let your truth go into our veins, O oh Lord. Let your truth go into every single cell of ours, O oh Lord. Let your truth run all over our blood, O oh Lord. Let your truth fill our neurons, O oh Lord. Let your truth be immersed into our bones and bone marrows, O Lord. church that will please God 24-7. Hallelujah. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Hallelujah. We praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you, Lord. Praise you. Hallelujah. to the overflowing precious Father thank you Lord thank you Lord help us to gain more ground today hallelujah help us to tear down more of Satan's territory this day hallelujah praise you Lord help us to be built more in your holy faith this day hallelujah praise you praise you praise you praise you Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Tell the Lord, tell the Lord, work in me, work in me, work in me, Jesus. 
Ana balasti kala bariya shundala bariya siendo boresia barasti kala barashiriya sandala bariyo tiasa Ora bala bara basia liendo bariya sia kuraba sandala bashire besere be kala be asuriya mia shumbariya Tell the Lord work in me work in me work in me ribasti kala bara sandala baliyo Jesus Our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name Our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name Hallelujah Our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name
thank you, Lord, that you are walking in our midst at this hour. Hallelujah. We worship you. Hallelujah. Praise you. We fall prostrate before you at your feet. And we bow down before you and we worship you. Hallelujah. And we say, let thy kingdom come. Let thy will be done on earth. comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hallelujah. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Hallelujah. Thank you for giving us the privilege to see your holy face through your scriptures, O Lord. Hallelujah. To know more about you through your scriptures, O Lord. Hallelujah. We ask you to give us this day a daily bread. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And forgive us all our debts. Hallelujah. As we forgive those who have sinned against us. Hallelujah. And lead us not into temptation. Hallelujah. But deliver us from all evil. time, Father. Hallowed be your name. Hallelujah. Praise you. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you. Water us, O Lord, at this hour, and we shall live. Hallelujah. Water us, O Lord, at this hour, and we shall bear fruit unto thee. Hallelujah. Water us at this hour, and we shall be refreshed, O Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For you're here to lift up the drooping hands of those who are willing to lift it up unto you. Hallelujah. Praise you. The power of Christ working in the lives of those who would work with Christ. Hallelujah. Praise you. Oh, hallelujah. Hallowed be thy name. We praise you, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Embed your truth into our spirits, O Lord, at this hour. Hallowed be thy name. Oh, write your word in the tablets of our hearts at this hour. Hallowed be thy name. Oh, quench our thirst, O living water. Be thy name. We 
كالابر شيره بالسندلبلين fill our hungry souls with your goodness of your living water hallelujah make our church distributors of your living bread hallelujah hallowed be thy name heal the lameness that you see oh lord amongst us let the lame walk hallelujah oh let them leap for joy that our god lives hallelujah hallowed be thy name strengthen the spiritual legs the spiritual knees the feeble knees or the drooping hands hallowed be thy name work in our midst the holy spirit hallelujah I pray that you will minister to us at this hour. You are the great I am. The lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. 
so they become become partakers of your heavenly calling hallelujah thank you for choosing us before the foundation of the world in Christ Jesus that we may live live unto Christ to be dead to this world hallelujah so we praise you we praise you we praise you hallowed be thy name thank you for being so merciful to us oh lord we praise you hallowed be thy name we thank you lord we thank you lord we thank you so i ask you to increase the thirst and the hunger that you place upon our church increase it lord increase it lord increase it lord hallelujah increase it oh lord increase our receiving end so that we can produce more for the king of kings and the lord of lords hallelujah increase the capacity of your people oh lord hallowed be thy name territories oh lord hallelujah so that we can produce more for you jesus hallelujah Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your presence that is here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we praise you. 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 Hallelujah. I pray that you will break your bread and feed us. Hallelujah. I pray, Lord, that you will cause the eyes of your people to open. Father, when the bread of life is distributed to your people, Father, as you break it and as you feed your people, may the eyes open up to more heavenly things. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Build your church upon your word. Build your church upon the rock. Hallelujah. And you promised. You promised us, Lord. Through your word that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You're good. You're righteous. You're holy. You're eternal. You're just. And we thank you. You are our life, our portion forever, our inheritance. We praise you. Our exceeding great reward. We praise you. Our joy, our satisfaction. Our eternal hope, we praise you, Lord. Hallowed be your name. Hallelujah. We praise you. Continue to do great and mighty things in our midst, O Lord, this night. We give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. For this I ask in Jesus' name, and I rebuke every devouring spirit, every demonic spirit that is trying to trying to take the word from the hearts, minds, and bodies of your people. I command them to leave right now in Jesus' name. 
in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Every evil spirit that tries to pervert the truth, I curse it in Jesus' name and I remove it from among amidst in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, every tiredness, every drowsiness, every sleepiness, every distraction be removed at this hour in Jesus' name that every single person may receive what God has for them, O Father. We want that portion that will never be taken away. How many of you want that portion that will be never taken away? Tell God, Lord, I want that portion that will never be taken away. That's what I want, Jesus. Not something temporary, but we want something eternal. Tell the Lord, Lord, I want that portion that will never be taken away. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So bless us, O Lord, this evening. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. That you'll anoint every ear, circumcise every heart, unveil every mind. And I pray, Lord, that their eyes may be enlightened by the power of the Holy Spirit, that every darkness may be removed from the lives of your people, that they may understand what God is speaking to their hearts at this hour. I thank you, Father. I sprinkle the blood of Jesus upon every single person who is here, that they may comprehend the depths, the breadth, the length, the width of the grace of God, of the love of God. And I pray that they may do everything that they need to do to be worthy of the call of God. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. God bless all of you for praying um, for us. We really appreciate all your prayers and we thank God for each one of you. Continue to uphold us um, in your prayers. Esther was actually um, vomiting a lot before we, uh, when we began the uh, meeting today, probably around between 6 um, and 6.10. But uh, God has been good um, to us and uh, we know God will, um, bring us out of this. God is working. God has been doing tremendous things. During this, um, these two weeks, God has revealed much. Uh, God has shown much and He's been speaking to us much and there's a, um, there's a greater cause for this, um, for the blessings of multitudes. Um, we're going through what we're going through and, um, we're expecting, um, a rich harvest through all of these, um, suffering, um, that God is taking us through um, according to His purposes. So we praise God for that and we uh, thank each one of you for praying and kindly request each one of you to continue to keep us all in your prayers. Praise be to God. As um, Pastor Pradeep was um, sharing uh, from the book of um, 1 John, First John, the Lord was um, speaking to me when I just came and sat here um, to speak uh, to our church from the book of Hebrews and also from the book of First John. So we're going to um, go side by side, however God would lead us. I don't know how God is going to lead us. So as however God would lead us, we're going to go into um, the book of Hebrews and First um, John. Um, and I encourage you to go over the book of Hebrews again. Really prayerfully um, go over the book of um, Hebrews. And um, and God will 
uh, speak to you as you read the book of Hebrews, um, wanting to um, know the heart of God and the mind of God. Praise be to God. Now, many people um, may not read uh, from the book of James. Um, they may think, oh, only James talks about faith and what real faith is. But in reality, the entire Bible talks about what genuine faith is. What is real faith? And what is what is true and what is not? What is um, the truth and what is the lie? God always differentiates between right and wrong, uh, the broad way and the narrow way, how to enter in and what will happen um, if you don't do certain things and uh, how people miss eternal life when it is this close. I want to begin with this as the Holy Spirit wants me to. We need to just pay close attention to the cross. When you look at the cross and when you look at Jesus on the cross, you see Jesus and you see a thief on one side and a thief on the other side. And you see Jesus Christ on the cross in the middle of both the thieves. While Jesus was hanging there, they each had the opportunity to enter into eternal life through Christ who is the door, through Christ who is the way, through Christ who is the truth, by seeking Him with all their hearts. Only true seekers will find Him, even though Jesus Christ was this close, He was so close. And both the thieves, they've done so much in their lives and that's why they were hanging on the cross. Not Jesus. Jesus was innocent. He took all our sins, all our punishment, all our sickness and everything that we did in order to mar the image of God that God created us with His image. Jesus took all of those upon His body so that we can be reinstated. We can be recovered so that the marred image be restored to the image of God through Christ. That's the goal. So Jesus Christ had a purpose when He hung on the cross. He was there on the cross. Then you have two thieves on either side. And they were there. Both had the opportunity to enter into eternal life. Both were a short distance away from eternity. When I say eternity, that means eternally a person is going to be in the bliss of glory or eternally they're going to be in the burning flames of fire where the fire is not quenched, the worm never dies. These are the words of Jesus Christ, not my words. We must understand that hell is real, heaven is real. Somebody said this recently that they met with someone, a mother of um, two sons who overdosed and died. And the mother told this person that, well, they overdosed and died. And when someone who heard this said, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. She said, well, they both are in heaven. They both are in heaven. When you look at that statement, you look at the statement 
that comes from a human being who's not walking right themselves and who is in the dark. If I'm in the dark and I take something from my hand and I say that this is red and someone who has a light says, no, that is not red, that is black. And this person has no light but says, this is red, because I know this is red. And someone who has the light says, no, this is black. You can argue and argue and argue, saying that I am right, you're wrong, while you're wrong through and through. So what defines right? What defines wrong? The truth defines what is right, and the truth defines what is wrong. The truth defines what is right by means of the truth defining what is right. The truth is also simultaneously defining what is wrong. As the Bible says, Jesus said this, Light entered into this world, and men loved darkness more than light, because their deeds were dark, and light exposes the deeds of human beings. By not receiving the light, what did they do? By default, they inherited darkness, and by default, they brought condemnation upon themselves. Because they rejected the life, the true light, they brought condemnation upon themselves. And God's word says that Jesus didn't come into this world to condemn people, but those who don't receive him, they are condemned already. Because you're in a pile of condemned people when you don't have the light. When Jesus comes and he says, who all wants to come out of this? Come out, I'll help you and I'll pull you out of this pile that is condemned. Those who say, Lord, I will come with you, and they raise their hand, and they go with him to the other side, that means you do what he tells you to do, are the ones who will be pulled out of this pile called condemned, on the way to hell, doomed for destruction. Those who don't take that opportunity, and they say that, well, I'll stay here, I don't believe in that, and you know what? It'll be very, very horrifying when you wake up, when your life on earth is over and you open your eyes and you're in a destination where you can never come back, no matter how much you cry, no matter how much you scream and say, God, you're such a merciful God, have mercy on me, you can never come back. For it is appointed for man once to be born and then judgment. That's it. The Bible says, whomever we give our bodies to and be served, however you use your time, However, you live on earth, whether you obey God's word is important. Not just, well, I'm just religious and I follow what I know and, uh, no, 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 no. That's not how it's going to work at the end of our lives. When we have to face before God, God's word says this. You know what will judge us? His word will judge us. The word will be our standard. That's our book. The law book in God's court. Did we live our lives according to this book? The word of God will stand there and will judge us. Did you do what I told you to do? Did you do my will? 
it's very important for us to not plead ignorance and say, well, I didn't know much of the word, and so I did what I knew, you know, and I thought this was right, Lord, but I didn't know that God said, oh, no, 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 I put you in this church, Alberto church, where you had two pastors giving you the word every single day of the week. And you had fasting prayer for eight days, seven days. You had many 21 days and you had all these lockdown period and, and you're hearing day in and day out and you have all the recordings and you have the truth. I gave you the truth. What did you do with the truth? We'll be trembling at that time. The worst part is after that when he says, depart from me, that means get away from me. There's no place of return at that point. Today is the day we fix what is wrong. Turn from the wrong way and go into the right way. To fully surrender, to fully obey the Lord our God, who is our life and who is our blessing. So as we look at the thieves who were on either side of the Lord Jesus Christ, one thief looks at Jesus and he is cursing Jesus. I mean, don't you see the same thing happen everywhere today? You have a group of people who say, I don't want to talk about God. I don't want to talk about this. I'm not interested in coming to church. I'm not interested in religion. There's a private matter. Don't talk to me. You know, my life, my way, if I die, I go to hell. You get lost. You have a group of people like that. And if you look at them, you see them head to toe full of diseases. You see them, they're abnormal. Their behavior is not good. Their lifestyle is not good. They are bound, chains all over like this man. Crucified over there for his own sins and everyone knows who he is and what he did and he's on that cross hanging as a criminal because he was a criminal he has this opportunity here by Jesus Christ being right next to him the door to heaven the way to heaven the truth through which you can enter in you know what he's doing he's cursing God he's belittling Christ Instead of humbling himself, he's full of bitterness. He's full of himself. That's what got him to the cross to begin with. But even there, he will not surrender. Even there, he will not surrender. I know someone who lived next door to us. Pastor Pradeep gave this woman God's word. I shared God's word with her. She clearly got to hear the love of Jesus, the miracles Christ can do. And she also got to hear who Jesus is, what is heaven, what is hell, and how important it is for us to surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. She heard all those things. She was so bitter. She said, I don't need God. I don't believe in this Jesus. She came from a Catholic background. She was so bitter. And she was somebody who was smoking as well. Since her son died, she started smoking. That's what she told us. She was full of bitterness. She didn't want to hear the truth. That's what bitterness will do. It will block a person from receiving the truth. It'll block their way of escape. 
it'll trap them in the room where the fire is fast approaching. So, we gave her the truth. We spoke to her. We gave her something to read. We gave her something to watch. She would not touch anything. But she would say hi to us and very bitter. Very bitter. One day, it so happened, we had a young boy. It was only one day that boy came to mow our lawn. He was probably 18 years old. He came and he was mowing the lawn. And while he was mowing the lawn, the Spirit of the Lord told us to bring him into our house and to talk to him and pray for him. And so, Rashpadeep called him. And the boy, he left the lawnmower and he came inside. And Pashpadeep said, do you want to drink juice? He said, yeah. And Pashpadeep called him inside and he came inside. And at that time, he told us, he said, I'm just mowing. He says, little bit of grass just fell on the other side. And this woman came out from her home. She stood there and she was so angry. She was yelling at me because the grass went on the other side. We said, oh, okay. We didn't say anything. Our hearts and our minds were what God was going to do with this boy. We brought him in. He came and as he was drinking juice, Pashpadeep called him, you know, come inside. He came inside and we said that um, we're going to uh, pray. And he came and he knelt down. While we began praying, the Lord had me take the guitar and worship one song, I'm not sure. As I began singing, I had my eyes closed, but Pastor Padeep saw. After the prayer was even over, the boy was going like this, going like this, going like this. We didn't know what he was doing. After some time, he opened his eyes and he said, Did you feel water? He said, I was under waterfalls. He said, I was under waterfalls. Heavy water was going all over me. It was the presence of God. He said, I will never miss this day in my life. Never forget this day in my life. I've never had an experience like that. And he got to hear the gospel. We know he would have never forgotten the tangible presence of God that touched him. By the time we finished, his dad came looking for him. And then we sent him through our deck door and he went out to mow again. And Pastor Pradeep went to the front door and he told him he's in the back. That was one opportunity that God gave that boy to know Christ. He never thought he was going to come to our house. We never thought that we were going to bring him in. Our neighbor on the other side, they introduced this boy suddenly that day and the Lord told us, tell him to come to mow the lawn. We usually don't have anyone coming unless God says. So it was God ordained meeting that he had for the boy, for him to experience Christ. Jesus was there. Now, after tangibly experiencing Christ, you know, he went to college. We have no contact with him. What he did with what he received, it's up to him.
And the lady next door, after she yelled and she screamed because our grass, you know, went on their side a little bit. We don't know. We didn't see. That was the last day she ever came out. It was right after that her lungs collapsed. She never was able to come outside. She was bedridden with an oxygen tank inside the house. We wanted to go see her. She didn't want to see us. We wanted to send our children there to go and read some stories. We were praying at least somehow this woman should get saved. And our heart was for her not to go to hell. So we were thinking even if she reads, if the children go and read some Bible stories, she didn't want the children to come either because her husband said she's too proud. She does not want anyone to see her in that condition. So what did she do? She chose to be in isolation in a room. Now she can't smoke, she can't do anything. Her time that God had for her to receive the gospel, being right next door, you know, to us, when I say next door, next house, to us, and God having given her the opportunity to hear the gospel, even to that bitter woman, God's love went to her, brought her here. But she closed the door. Instead of receiving Jesus Christ, just like the man who was on the other side of Jesus, she was so bitter, she just closed the door to everything. She said, no, no, no. And some months later, we would never see her. Some months later, while we were in someone's house praying for them, during a snowstorm, we got a text from her husband. He said, I know that you both really loved my wife. She passed away. I wanted to let you both know. It was very grieving for us to know that this woman went to the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth by her own choice. When God came to her, she said no, no, no to everything. And her husband told us later when we spoke to him over the phone. He said she did not want to hear anything about God even in her deathbed after she was taken to the hospital. She did not want to pray. So he was a Catholic. He said, she was also a Catholic, but he said, I prayed for her so that she can go to heaven. She did not want to pray. She was so bitter. She had nothing to do with God on her way out from this world. She refused to pray. She refused to seek God. She refused to have to do anything with God. And that's how she closed her eyes. But he has, he has this consolation that I did what I can do for her. I prayed for her. Now we didn't say anything. God didn't lead us to say anything. We didn't say anything. The man is broken. And uh, his wife made her choice. 
The reason why I am saying this is every human being has been given plenty of opportunity in order for them to make it to heaven. God could have healed her. God could have saved her. God could have given her joy, everything, but she closed the door to eternal life. Totally closed the door to everything that God had for her. In spite of her bitterness, God still came to her, but she closed. She made the choice. Once we make the choice and we say we don't want Jesus Christ, if the grace is lifted off, even in that bed, people say, I don't need Jesus. This man on the cross was like that. He was hanging there. The way, the truth, and the life was hanging right next to him for his sins. But he said, no to eternal life. May God help us to understand today the gravity of the situation here. If you don't choose life, you choose death. If you, cho- if you choose death, you choose eternal death and you reject life. What choices you make will determine what you're going to inherit. The other man on the other side, who was hanging right next to Jesus, also sinned just like this criminal. He was also hanging there because he did something really, really wicked. That's why he deserved that punishment. Not Jesus, but the criminal who was hanging right next to Jesus. And Jesus Christ was hanging there on the cross for that man's sin too. And that man, when he saw Jesus, he said this to the other man. Why are you talking like this? We are hanging here for our own sins and this man has not done anything. And he looked at Jesus and he said, Lord, remember me. Remember me. When you go to heaven, when you go to paradise, remember me. When you go, remember me. What is he saying? Lord, I want to be in heaven. I want to be in heaven. He expressed his desire to Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, today, today you will be in paradise. Today you will be in paradise. That's who our God is. When we tell God, this is what I want. Now, the man who was hanging there, because that was his last moment, he didn't have the opportunity to to come back and set everything right and go and reconcile and go and you know uh, ask forgiveness to human beings. He didn't have that opportunity. You know, a lot of times people say, "Well, the man on the cross was he baptized?" Well, he didn't have the opportunity for that, and he had the Lord hanging right next to him, who said, "I'll take you today," because you are. About to exit. You don't have time left. But you have surrendered and you have made the choice to come and be with me. And I will take you. That's how generous our God is. To those who are broken. The man hanging on the other side, he was broken. He had a contrite heart before God and he was not rejected. On the other hand, this man had the opportunity, just like this fellow there, 
Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life was hanging there on the cross. This man's heart was so bitter. Both of them have gone through the same punishment. Both of them have done similar crime. Both of them deserve death. Both of them are hanging on the cross for their own sins, for whatever they did. One realized that he was a sinner. I am hanging here for my own sin. And he's looking at God, the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, saying, remember me. He had that vision that Jesus has the power to take me to heaven. He had faith in Jesus Christ. It's so important. He had faith in Jesus Christ. So as a result of that, he asked Jesus. And as Jesus had asked, and you shall receive, according to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, he received what he asked for from Jesus. God is speaking to our hearts today. We need to be people who have the right desires and right kind of desires that are propelled out of humility, integrity. Really to admit when we are wrong that we are wrong. Not justify, but admit that we are wrong when we are wrong. And then have the humility to talk to God and tell Him, Lord, I want to go there. And we know that no one can go to the Father, can enter into the kingdom of heaven without repenting. So it's understood that while he is there, while he knew that he was hanging for his sins, he would have talked to God. He would have said, God, forgive me. He would have repented for his sins right there. And Jesus Christ hears his prayer when he says, Lord, remember me. And he answers his cry. In this world we see today, and we will continue to see these two groups of people. One is, the door is right next to them. The way, the truth, and the life is right next to them. You know what they'll say? Well, I don't need it. I can live without it. I don't believe in it. Well, I hate it. There's all kinds of excuses. And they will reject that door. And this is the reason why today we have people in hell. Tomorrow we'll have people in hell. And until the world comes to an end and until the day of judgment, we'll still have people in hell. May God speak to our hearts at this hour to make wise choices, to make wise decisions based on who Jesus is and what he has spoken to us. His word is very important because his word will judge us at the end. Then you have another group of people, like the man who was hanging on the cross, who really felt grieved about what he did, who really wanted to inherit eternal life and did what he had to do because he confessed that Jesus is the Son of God and he believed that Jesus can take him to heaven. He talked to Jesus Christ and he asked him, Lord, I want to go to heaven. Remember me when you go to heaven. May God speak to our hearts at this hour and cause us to choose the right side. Choose to be with Jesus Christ. 
choose to be with those who are of a broken and a contrite heart and would say that I want life and not death. So having said that, we're going to turn our Bibles to Hebrews. Like I said, I really encourage you to read the book of Hebrews, read the book of First John, read the book of um, James, and uh, read John 15, read the Gospels. Every word that Jesus spoke is in here, summed up, and everything that you see in episodes is there in the Gospels. They all go together very well because it comes from God Almighty. So, we'll turn our Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 3. I'm not going to read every word here due to lack of time, but as the Lord wants me to, I will. Now, when you look at Hebrews chapter 3, we will see how Jesus Christ was sent for us, and what our responsibility before God is. In Hebrews 4 and Hebrews 5, and you read First John, it talks about what Christ did and what we should do in order for us to remain in Him, enter into Him, Abide in Him. If not, we will not inherit eternal life. So if you look at Hebrews 3, the Spirit of the Lord draws a parallel from the Old Testament to the believers who are living in the New Testament. And He says, you see what happened before? Make sure it doesn't happen today. Make sure it doesn't happen with you. You see what happened with those people? Make sure it doesn't happen with you. You see how they ended? Make sure you don't end that way. Anytime God brings an example like that, we have to be very careful. Study those examples and make sure we don't fall into that category when he says, don't walk their path. So you see here, verse, verse, I'm going to read from verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. We need to underline the word holy brethren. Partakers of heavenly calling. That's who God's people are. Holy, and only those who are holy can partake of the heavenly calling. If God makes us partakers of, our, of the heavenly calling, we're accountable for that heavenly calling. We need to be worthy of that heavenly calling. Now, he says here, talks about Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. You see a parallel here. The Spirit of God talks about the faithfulness of Jesus Christ and He talks about the faithfulness of Moses also. We need to be like that. God talks about the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ and faithfulness of Moses and how faithful was Moses. Out of all the people there who lived during His lifetime, Moses was the most faithful out of all of them. Oh, was Moses a human being or was he... Somebody who is divine. He was a human being. A man who was very, very, very faithful. 
This is why God made him leader over all those people. A man who's so humble. God was able to entrust those people, those stiff-necked, rebellious people into Moses' hands because he was so faithful and he was so meek, so humble. No matter what they scream and what they jump up and down, he will never come and say, well, you know who I am? You know, God came to me and spoke to me. You know, I did all these miracles. No, he just goes straight to God and he weeps. A man who was broken. A man who was powerful because he was very humble. A man who was full of the Spirit of God because he was faithful. A man who was so powerful because he was humble. A man who was full of the Spirit of God because he was faithful. Jesus was like that. So powerful because he was humble. So strong and full of the Spirit of God because he was faithful. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses and as much as he who built the house is more honor than the house. Because Jesus is greater than Moses. He's God himself, God in flesh. And he came to this world to die for all of us. And God says, look at Jesus Christ. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Jesus Christ is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his houses a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. What a privilege. What a privilege to be that person. So careful he was that God had him as a shadow for what was going to come. What a blessing. Think about yourself. Whatever God is doing to prepare for a future, can God count you like how he counted on Moses? Can God use you like how he used Moses? Will God be able to talk about you like how he's talking about Moses here after Moses was gone, long after he was gone? We need to be like that. We need to be faithful. We need to be humble. We need to be people that God will be able to take as a news for something that he is about to do. That he would be able to talk about us long after we're gone. Now I'm going to go here. Verse 6. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Very, very, very important. What is the Spirit of God saying here? He says, Christ is there. He's over his own house. And if you want to be partakers or part of that, he says, make sure you hold fast to the confidence. Where is the confidence coming from? We'll see that, you know, in the next few chapters. We also saw that in First John. Who will have confidence when you go to God? If your conscience doesn't condemn you, then you have confidence to go to God. When you go and stand before God, you'll have that clear conscience, which brings that confidence to stand before God. Each and every believer needs to have that confidence when they go and stand before God. You know, a lot of times people say this, Lord, we come boldly before the throne of grace. You know, I shudder when I hear that. Are you really able to boldly go and stand before the throne of grace because you're walking right before God? Or you're doing all kinds of sins and you're saying, Lord, your word says you... No, 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 no. Who can boldly come before the throne of grace? Who? Those who are walking with God. Those who have the blood of Jesus upon their lives. And those who work righteously are the ones who can boldly go into the throne of grace before the throne of God. We have to read the word of God. 
You can't have cigarette on one hand and say, I can boldly go to the throne of God. No, you should be shaking. If you're living in sin, you should be trembling. Even Adam and Eve knew the moment they sinned, they went into hiding. They couldn't face God. But we are in a very presumptuous Christian culture, presumptuous Christian community that says, I will shake my fist against God and boldly go and stand before God. Very scary. It's a very scary place to be in. If you're doing wrong, never say that I can boldly go stand before God. No. We have to hang our heads down and ask God for mercy. Like the man said, Oh Lord, have mercy on me. I've sinned against you. Like the sinner who went to the temple that Jesus talked about. If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end, then we'll be part of what Christ has provided. When we are walking with Him, then we'll have confidence in Him. When our own conscience doesn't condemn us. Now let's go to verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial, in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works forty years. Therefore, I was angry with the generation and said, They always go astray in their heart. And they have not known my way. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Same thing happens even today. God gives them you know, an amount of time. And within that amount of time, it's plenty. He gave 40 years. And guess who also wandered with those rebellious people? Moses also wandered with those rebellious people. Who also wandered? Joshua and Caleb also wandered with them. Why? Because God was merciful to these rebellious, stiff-necked people. He said, at least somehow, 40 years, let me show them my power. Let them repent, but they didn't. So God got finally angry and he said, you will not enter in. Once he says you're not going to enter in, that's it. The grace will be lifted off of the people. After that, what happens? They will not enter in, period. It happens every day all over the world. Where people frustrate the grace of God and after that God says, Enough, that's it, no more, get away from my face, that's it. Once God says that, it's over. The grace will be lifted off. You know what will happen to such people? They're not going to be saying, Oh Lord, have mercy on me. No, no, no. After that, they'll be more presumptuous. They'll be more bold in sinning. They will do things. Very, very outwardly. And they will not have the conscience that would prick them any longer. Their conscience would become dead. And they will not repent. Because in order to repent, we need the grace of God. It's the grace of God that God gives and the faith that God gives that we use in order to turn from our wicked ways and turn towards God. But when the grace is lifted, you will not have the faith to repent. And you will not have the desire to repent. That's what happened to the Old Testament people when God is warning here through the Spirit of God. Beware, verse 12, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. 
Who is he talking to? Believers. He's saying, be careful. If your heart becomes evil, you will depart from the living God. Who is walking away from God? People's hearts that become evil will make the choice to depart from the living God. What will happen at that point? Faith will be gone because the grace will be lifted off. We have to be very careful not to presume upon the grace of God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, because you may not have a tomorrow. While it is called today, he's saying, tell the next person. Whoever you're hanging out with, make sure you tell the next person that. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Repent, repent, repent. Don't say, oh, tomorrow I'll see. Today I'll watch some more. There's some people like that. They'll say, well, tomorrow I'll watch this movie and day after tomorrow I'll go party and following day I will go and I'll drink as much as I want. And then Friday, after everything's over, Saturday I will chill out and Sunday I will repent. Let me tell you, you won't have the grace to repent. That's presumption. When you think that I will finish doing what I'm doing which is sin, and then I will repent. The grace of God will not be available for such people who presume upon His grace. So what are we supposed to do when you see someone doing wrong? Don't close your eyes and pretend like you're not seeing what they're doing because their blood will be upon your head. It is important to tell people when they're doing wrong in a loving way, but in a godly way, with much prayer, that what you're doing is wrong. You may not get another chance. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Again, the word confidence is here. How can you be steadfast in holding to the beginning of our confidence by having a clear conscience before God? The work that God has begun in us has to be continued and it can only be continued if our conscience is clear before God. When it is said, God says, you want to be partakers of Christ, you want to continue in Christ, then you need to have a clear conscience. You need to be someone who will make sure that you're not presuming upon the grace of God, that whatever God has given to you, that you will take it with reverence, take it with faith. If you have faith, you will have reverence. If you don't have faith, you're not going to have reverence. If you have faith, you will obey. If you don't have faith, you are going to be disobedient. So if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, that means you know how when you got saved, you said, Lord, forgive me. And God gave you a clear conscience and then you started walking with God and your conscience was clear. That same conscience that is clear must be maintained all the way to the end. If you are all the way to the end maintaining that clear conscience, You will have that confidence before God every time you go in and more grace will be added. If not, you cannot be in Christ. You unplug yourself from the power supply, the Lord Jesus Christ. While it is said, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Now you look at Hebrews 3 and you continue reading it talks about how God through Moses led the people and how they provoked God and God was so angry I want to read verse 16 onwards for who having heard rebelled who? people who heard they rebelled so you can receive the word and rebel against the word of God doesn't matter 
when you hear the word of God and when you don't follow it, you're not going to make it. Because you're hearing the word of God doesn't mean that you're automatically going to make it. No. If you hear the word of God and you rebel against the word that you're hearing, you're saying, well, pastor's talking about me. Oh, well, you know, that's not me. Well, I feel hurt. If you get offended by the word that God is giving to you through his servants, and if you don't take it to yourself to change yourself, when the spirit of God is convicting you and you put up a wall, what will happen at that point? What will happen at the point? The grace of God that is coming to you because God loves you and he wants to change you so that he can bless you and take you to heaven will be lifted off of you. You have to be very careful. So what happened? These people, they heard it, but they rebelled against the word that God spoke through Moses to them. Who, for 16 again, for who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? These people, they believed at that time, they all left Egypt and they all came. And some of them, they wanted to go back. You leave something, God brings you out of something, don't go back to it. And these people, they were all led by Moses, but they rebelled. Now with whom was he angry 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned? That means if you're doing well, if you're walking with God, God is not going to get upset with you. If you are obeying the word of God, God is not going to be upset with you. But if you are rebelling against the word of God and if you go opposite, if he says go north and you go south and he says go east and you go west and saying that I will do it and who are you to say that to the pastor when the pastor is God's voice speaking. I can't be corrected. I'm above correction. Now, you know, if we say that nobody can come and tell me when I'm wrong, that I'm wrong, that means you're saying that you're perfect. That you don't need correction. That's pride. Every human being who is wearing off should be corrected, needs correction, if they want to end up in the right destination. So what happened here? Verse 17, Hebrews 3, verse 17. Now with whom was he angry? 40 years. Someone says, oh, God will not be angry. God always loves... To, let me tell you, this is New Testament, by the way. The same God in the Old Testament is the same in the New Testament. You can vex God, you can provoke God to anger. God is love, yes, but you can really provoke Him to anger by rebelling against Him. And what will happen if He gets angry? I want to show you the scripture when the Lord leads me to. People think then the verse that says in the New Testament says, Oh, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You can, you know, do whatever you want. It just says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. When you grieve the Holy Spirit, you know what will happen? The Holy Spirit will turn against you. He'll become your enemy and he'll fight against you. I'll show you the scripture for that. The children of Israel did that and he became their enemy. They grieved the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit became their enemy. And he turned against them and he fought against them. That's the worst place for us to be in. We need to be people who obey God, people who are true to God, people who are faithful to God. Now with whom was he angry 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose crops fell in the wilderness? They didn't make it to the promised land. Every prophecy they got didn't happen. Why? Because they sinned. They rebelled because of that what God spoke through Moses. The prophecy that God gave to these people through Moses that you will inherit the promised land did not come through. It did not come true. 
we ourselves can cause the word of God from being fulfilled, can prevent the word of God, I should say, from being fulfilled by sinning against God. And then don't ask, why didn't this happen? It won't happen. You think it'll happen? You go against God and you think God will have to come and fulfill his word to you? No, he will not. So, we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Obedience is linked to belief, faith. If you don't believe, then you are going to go the opposite way. Disobedience equals unbelief. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you disobey, then you are not having faith. And if you don't have faith, you're not going to go to heaven. Verse 19. They did not enter in. They were not able to enter in because of unbelief. They did not enter in because of unbelief. We will not be enter able to, we will not be able to enter into heaven because of unbelief. How do you know you have unbelief? You can say that, oh, I believe in Jesus. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he rose again from you. You can say all that confession, creed, whatever. Memorize the scriptures and even recite it like a parrot would. But if you don't have it practically living it out in your life, you are a hypocrite and a liar. We're not parrots, so we are human beings with souls. So simply memorizing it and reciting it and not walking in it and just reciting it is not going to do anything. May God speak to our hearts at this hour. I just want to show you the scripture here before we continue further for a few more minutes and close out for tonight. Let's go to Isaiah 63, verse 10. Isaiah 63, verse 10. And I'm going to give you the next scripture also. Isaiah 63, verse 10. I'm going to read that, just one second. And then I'm going to give you the next verse. Ephesians 4.30. Ephesians 4.30. Let's read Ephesians 4.30 first and then go to Isaiah. Then we'll read that first. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. What's the meaning of that? Don't grieve the Holy Spirit whom you have received as a seal for the day of redemption. That means he is the one. He is the one who should be upon you so that you can really make it to heaven. If he is not there, then you can't go to heaven. That's how God identifies who belongs to him and who does not belong to him. God's seal has to be upon you. But if you grieve the Holy Spirit who is your seal, you know what will happen? It's not like, oh, you're making him sad and I can do whatever I want to. No, you cannot be treacherous with God. If you grieve the Holy Spirit, the consequences will be very severe. This is God Almighty, remember. So, what happens here? Verse, let's go to Isaiah now. He says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit and... We're going to go to Isaiah to see what happens to those who grieve the Holy Spirit. What will happen? 
Let me read Isaiah chapter 63, verse 10. But they rebelled and grieved His Holy Spirit. So He turned Himself against them as an enemy and He fought against them. If you don't have this in front of you, open your Bibles to it, please. And look at it. Look at it. Really read it. So you know the Word of God. God is not a pushover. God is not somebody you can say, that. well, I'll do this and tomorrow I'll just say and say sorry. He knows your heart. He knows your motives. He knows every thought of yours. If God would turn against someone and become that person's enemy, the very God, if you go to the previous verse in Isaiah, let's just go there, Isaiah 63, and I'm going to take you to the previous verse. Let me just go there for a second. Isaiah 63. And I'm going to take you to the previous verse that is there so that you can understand the importance and the significance of what we are reading today. Let's read... Let's read here. Let me just go here to verse 7. I'll read from verse 7. Isaiah 53 from verse... Sorry, 63. Isaiah 63 from verse 7. I will mention the loving kindnesses of the Lord and praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord has bestowed on us. And the great goodness towards the house, toward the house of Israel, which He has bestowed on them according to His mercies, according to the multitude of His loving kindness. For He said, Surely they are My people, children who will not lie. So He became their Savior. The Lord had me speak on this before, some um, weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago. So I'm not going to go on this deeper. But I want to address one thing here before we move further. Why the Lord becomes our Savior? He becomes our Savior because He's putting our faith in Him. It's not just we are putting His faith in, it's not that we are putting our faith in Him when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. He is putting His faith in us. When we say, Lord, I give my life over to you, I surrender, He is believing us. And because He's believing us, He's putting His faith in us, He becomes our Savior. So now He's trusting us. We trust Him to be our Savior, and He's trusting us not to cheat on Him. He's trusting us that we will not lie to Him, that we will not live a double life. If you go before the altar, and you hold the hand of your spouse and say, I do, I do, I do, I'll be faithful to you. And you're cheating on your spouse. Let me tell you, that marriage will end very soon. That's really a really disgusting relationship. Shouldn't be standing at the altar. Choose whomever you want to. Don't play double games. That's how it is with God. You tell the Lord, Lord, be my Savior. I give my life to you. I surrender everything to you. And then... You have other loves in your life where you lie to God, lie to the living God saying that, Lord, I'll follow you for the rest of my life. I surrender to you. You are my God. But you know what? Meanwhile, we're cheating on him. God who sees the hearts and minds, he will just turn against 
those who cheat on him. He did so much because he said they will not lie. They said that they are surrendering their lives to me. They said that they will follow me. They are making this covenant with me. Therefore, I'm entering into a covenant with them. And he becomes our savior. What he does after that, in all the afflictions he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them, and he bore them and carried them all the days of old. Think about that. How much God has done for you. How he carried you, where he took you from, and how he brought you, how much he has blessed you. In all the afflictions, he was afflicted, and he carried you, he bore you. After all of that, what happens once you get blessed, turn around and kick once you tie the knot, you become unfaithful, become abusive. That marriage will not last. And when this comes to God Almighty, and people have that blessing from God and everything, and then they turn around and become treacherous to the living God, guess what will happen? Verse 10. They rebelled and grieved His Holy Spirit. After what? After God doing so much, having faith in them that they won't lie, He blessed them. God blessed you having faith in you. If He blessed you so much, if He brought you out of the land of Egypt, and He blessed you, He blessed you because He had faith in you. Don't turn treacherous in your heart. What will happen? He will be grieved, and when He's grieved, He will turn against you. You know how passionately he did good for you? So passionately he will do evil for you. So he turned himself against them as an enemy and fought against them. That's exactly what God will do. All the healings God God gave, you know what God will do? He'll not only take it away, he'll add diseases. He'll add sorrow. He will add disaster. How he passionately helped you to come out of something, he'll so passionately throw you, fight against you, passionately heal you. You know why? Because you treacherously, treacherously cheated on him. Now, we'll stop right here today and think about your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You may not have heard this anywhere. You might have heard over here many times. But understand the severity of turning away from the living God. It's not a light thing. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Read Hebrews chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 5. Read it. And the Lord leads, we will go further. I want to take you to 1 John before we finish for tonight. Let's go to 1 John. And we'll go to chapter 3. And I want to read from verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has has bestowed on us, that we should be called 
the children of God. How did he make us his children? Passionately, with so much love, God came and he sacrificed his son. Jesus sacrificed himself so we can be his children. What happened here? Let's just go to verse 2. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be when we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So he's saying, your children now, as you grow, when you see him, you're going to be just like him. A baby has a resemblance of the parents, but when the child grows, it looks a lot like the parents. But in this case with Jesus, we'll look just like him because the seed is in us. It's not like you have in your genes, you know, some of your dad, some of your mom, some of your, you know, grandfather, some of your grandmother, some of your aunt, some of your uncle. No, when it comes to Jesus Christ, the seed of God is a pure seed, the seed of God that is in us. That means it's all Jesus. Your whole resemblance will become just like Jesus Christ. That's the seed that is in us, so powerful in every way, your thought life, your mannerisms, your behavior, your conduct, everything will become just like Jesus, and that's the seed that God has put in us, so passionately he put in us. And now, you have a duty, having received this, everyone who has this hope in him, that means all of us who know that when we see him, we shall be like him, that means every day we have to grow, becoming more and more and more and more and more and more like him. All that the baby stuff starts to disappear. And you begin to grow into a more responsible man, responsible woman in the image of Jesus. With the desires that come from Christ going towards heaven. If you have the desire and if you know that you believe this word that when you see him you shall be like him. You have a responsibility to do. Verse 3. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. You need to do that. A good deal of cleaning yourself. Cleanse yourself. Cleanse yourself. Every single day, we must move on to perfection. Not cleansing ourselves in the same filth from yesterday, no. No. If you clean a surface, you're going to clean, and what happens to big spots are all gone, then what do you do? You look for other little spots, and when you clean the other little spots, you look for tinier spots. That's what cleaning is. It's not cleaning the same spot. How will you feel? You take a nice white shirt, and it has coffee stain, and it has ink stain, and it has tomato juice or tomato sauce stain, you have all kinds of stains there. And you took the coffee stain off and now you're working on the tomato sauce stain. And then you have a coffee cup here and, well, I cleaned the coffee stain. Let me just pour the coffee on it again. And you start cleaning again? Yeah, I'm going to do that. You get frustrated if it happens. God, in His mercy by the blood of Jesus, has cleansed us. He takes us out of everything. Now, our job, He has given us this job. When you're walking in this world, you have corruption all over. When you just go outside, it's not that you step outside the house and just look at some dirt and just wallow in it like a pig and get up and come. No. No. Nobody's going to go outside the house and say that, well, I'm going to roll in this mud. No. You know how to keep yourself. Well, when you go outside, you have some dust and dirt. Why do you think you come and take a shower? Why do you take a shower to begin with? Because you're in this world, you have dust all over. And whatever is outside comes. It's not like you're becoming a partaker of it. No. 
It just comes and touches you from outside. Whatever is there from outside. And you need to put your clothes in the wash. In our Christian walk, Jesus washes us clean and he makes us clean. But we're in this world. As we walk in this world, we have people, we have places, we have things we come across. Whatever it is, the dust from outside can come on you. Those are the things you need to purify yourself. You need to wash that. Make sure that it's not staying. Make sure that doesn't stay. You know, say when something spills, instead of leaving it for a week and then trying to clean, immediately when you clean it, that stain is gone. It's important to take things very seriously and do the cleansing work immediately. Not wait till you pass 24 hours and then try to think, well, what happened? Let me think. Half the time you won't even remember. Whatever tries to come near you, you need to push it away through the blood of Jesus. The purification is important. So whoever has this hope that I'm going to see him, our hope is I want to become like him. I want to become like him. That's my goal. And because I want to become like him, I don't want anything on me. Only then you can grow. Only then you can become like him. Because you can't be like him and be like something else. It doesn't work that way. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested, underline these words, to take away our sins. Not to just give you some forgiveness and keep you in, a, in your sins and say, that, well, you know, you have a sinful body and you're a sinner, and once you die, you know, that sinful body is gone, and somehow you become like Jesus and you end up in heaven. It doesn't work that way. He came into this world to take away your sins. That means take you away from sin. As you know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him is there no sin. There is no sin in Jesus. Whoever abides in him does not sin. The key word here is abide in him. If you stay in him, you will have no sin because he has no sin. If his sin, if his seed is in you and you are in him, let me tell you, you can live a perfect life, absolutely holy life. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him or known God. Very important. We need to know the word. We need to know the word. We need to know the word. By letting Christ live through us. By us living in him. Through his power. That's a whole different law that begins to operate. We begin to operate in a whole different realm which is the realm of God, we begin to exhibit a whole different nature, which is the nature of Christ, if you abide in Him. But if you don't abide in Him, how do you abide in Him and take yourself out of it? By faith. If you believe that you are living in Him every single second of the day, then you are going to walk as how He walked. You're going to have the power, the power of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, the seed of Christ that is inside will operate in and through you. That's the truth. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. No one trick you. These are words written by the Holy Spirit through Apostle John to the believers, to you and to me. 
Let no one trick you, saying that, well, you know, you know, you can curse a little here, you know, you can talk a little there, you, you can flirt a little here, and you can, you know, lust a little there, and you can be angry a little here, and you can lie a little there. No, no. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous just as he is. It takes practice. It takes practice. You know, you can be a skilled musician, but you know it comes from practicing. Effort you put in. There are people who have the talents. There are people who don't have the talents. Even those who have the talents need to know what music is when it comes to playing. When the seed of God is in a person, doesn't mean that, you know, automatically they lose their ability to choose and they become like a robot and and all of a sudden you know they completely are not who they are and they're just walking around just their bodies are there and they become holy and no the holy seed of god is in us guess who needs to make the choice now to do the right thing every single time it's you that's how you know whether you are in him or not whether you are walking by faith or not by our choice by my choice. So he says, he who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. That's how you become like him. You practice, you make the choice by choosing what the Spirit of God is prompting you to choose, doing the right thing when there's still a small voice inside of you says, don't do that, don't do it. After that, don't say, well, I did it anyway, I'm so sorry I did it, don't do it. God won't speak to you if you ignore the voice of God and go against the voice of God. We have to understand, don't read the Holy Spirit and don't make the Holy Spirit your enemy. That's the worst thing you can do for yourself. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That means destroy sin, separate you from sin, destroy that sin nature inside of you by letting God nature come into you. May God speak to your hearts at this hour. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. I can take you through many more scriptures, but we're going to stop right here. In Hebrews, the Spirit of the Lord says, How children of Israel who were supposed to have entered into rest did not enter into rest because they chose to rebel against God and completely got destroyed in the wilderness by making God their enemy the very God who bore them turned against them and he said that's it for you that's it for you someone says oh God will not do this well he will he's not a pushover you cannot treat him cheap. You cannot treat the blood of Jesus cheap. Read the book of Hebrews. Read the epistle of John. Read the book of James. Read John chapter 15. Read the parables of the Lord Jesus Christ. They all go hand in hand. The truth and the truth of Christ alone will lead us straight into eternal life. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. 
one thing I want to tell you today. If you let Christ live in and through you, His power will make you to live just like how Jesus lived on the face of the earth. About the stain, about the corruption, about everything that so easily pulls everyone, it will not come near you. You'll be about those things. Shall we close our eyes and look to the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you. Take this time to draw near to Him. Take this time to understand who God is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And step by step, you will lead me. I'll follow you. I left my days.
the days. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. As Moses was so faithful in all of his house, God was able to trust him and use him as a type of Christ in the Old Testament. Hallelujah. Do you want to be a trustworthy person? In your generation, that God use you as a type of Christ here and talk about you way after you're gone as an example of righteousness hallelujah praise you Jesus hallelujah praise you Lord praise you Holy Spirit we worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Give yourself over to the Lord Jesus Christ at this hour. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let Christ live in you. Jesus Christ, who is a superpower, supernatural God. Hallelujah. When he comes inside and gives you his nature, living in him, abiding in him will cause you to thrive before him. To grow into the image of Christ, to the fullness, the stature of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Never think grieving the Holy Spirit is a light thing. Hallelujah. God, who is very patient when he gets angry, his anger will burn for he is a consuming fire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't think you can. Cheat God. Thank you, Jesus. Be faithful to Him. It is not right to be dishonest and unfaithful to God who loved you and who had His faith in you, trusted you, and gave you all things and blessed you with, trusting that you will not lie to Him when you said, Lord, I surrender all. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. It's time to tell the Lord, going to change your ways wherever you need to change you need to change hallelujah liars will not inherit the kingdom of heaven hallelujah thank you Jesus hallelujah if you believe that when you see him you will be like him you want to be like him because the seed of God that is in you then you must purify yourself Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Take a few minutes in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Worship you. Worship you. Worship you. Bring out everything.
I pray that you will continue to do your mighty work in the lives of your people. I ask you, Lord, that you will touch every brother, every sister, every child who is here on this call tonight, who has heard the voice of the living God. Come to them this night, O Father, so that they may turn from their ways, the ways that are not pleasing to the Father, that they may turn towards the living God, that they may truly believe in the one who believes in them, so that they may not fall away like the children of Israel who fell away in the wilderness. That they may know that today is the day to return, today is the day to repent, today is the day to change. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Cover a church with your precious blood, O Father. Work in every single person the working of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you magnify Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I praise you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. We're going to take a few minutes in the presence of God as we are seeking the Lord at this hour as the Holy Spirit wants me to. You want to take time in the presence of God. Examine yourself where you stand before God. I'm going to give you some time as the Spirit of the Lord wants me to so that you can set things right before God. Pour out your heart before the living God, before the living God, before the living God who is standing before you. And draw near to Him. He will draw near to you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to give some time for you to pray. Whoever wants to pray out loud, you can pray out loud, but keep it to the point and pray for a couple of minutes so that the rest of the brothers and sisters can have their time to pray. But mean business with God. Mend your ways before the living God. Rend your hearts before the living God. As God is doing a deeper work of sanctification in our church. Purify yourself. Purify yourself. As we read in the epistle of John. Purify yourself. As God is purifying you with His word that He has spoken, you purify yourself in the presence of God through the work of the Holy Spirit that is taking place at this hour. Thank you, Father. I'm going to mute myself. Whoever would like to pray. Take a few minutes, two, three minutes the most, and pray. Pour out your heart before God and pray. After a few of you pray, when the Spirit of the Lord would lead me to, I'll conclude. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for hearing the prayers of your people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for doing a deeper work in the lives of your people, Lord, this day. Thank you for speaking to our hearts, O Lord, in an unmistakable manner from the Word of God, who is the Word of life. We thank you, Lord. We live by your Word. and We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. We give ourselves over to you. May this Word that you have deposited into our spirits 
And may it continue to grow, Father, like the leaven that Lord goes into the dough and it expands, I pray. May this word expand and increase, Lord, in our midst, Father, and continue to, Lord, fulfill the purpose for which it has been sent forth. We thank you, Lord. I praise you, Father. Thank you, Father. Bless your people. Bless them this night. Give each one good health and strength, Father, whatever they are struggling with. Lord, whatever they are fighting against, I pray. May the hand of the Lord be upon them and give them the relief, give them the strength, give them the healing. Oh, Father, give them the provision. Lord, whatever they need, I pray, may it be granted by my Father in heaven as they seek you with all their hearts, mind, soul, and strength. I thank you. I praise you, Father. We commit ourselves into your hands. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' most precious name, I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon us and bless us with His peace. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ May the love of God the Father and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit rest and remain with us all now and until we see Jesus face to face. Amen.